630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, the wait is almost over for the Edmonton Oilers. Man, what a spaced-out schedule recently, but the stretch drive pretty much starts tomorrow. They will be hosting the Colorado Avalanche at Rogers Place. Cam Talbot doubtful to start in goal for the Oilers, so that means Al Montoya expected to make his first start as an Oiler. Remember, he has come in three times in relief and looked pretty good, especially that game he helped win against the Arizona Coyotes. No Nathan McKinnon for the Avs. Upper body injury for him. In fact, he's gone back to Denver. Took a big hit from Alexander Edler last night against the Vancouver Canucks. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, you can text 630-630. Our open line number is 780-496-0063. Just three games in the NHL tonight and just one of them is underway. Austin Matthews has just scored his 23rd of the season. Kapanen has the other Toronto goal as the Maple Leafs lead the Islanders 2-0 with about six minutes left in the first period. Sharks and Red Wings, Flyers and Capitals about to get underway. Also tonight, this is going to be fun, and I'm really looking forward to the show Friday night because we will be live from Claire Drake Arena from 6 to 8. It's a 7 o'clock face-off between the U of A Golden Bears and the Saskatchewan Huskies, the number three-ranked Golden Bears, the number five-ranked Huskies, two of the best teams, university teams in the country, not just this year, but really every year. Alberta is 23-1 and on the year. Saskatchewan's 18-5-1. and It's the 500th all-time meeting between the two schools in men's hockey. If you count uh, the Canada West, the Canada West playoffs, a couple of meetings in the University Cup final and uh, non-conference games, they generally play a couple times every preseason. So the 500th game all-time heated rivalry between the two schools, and they played... I, I, I think you'd have to call it. I'm sure some of you were there, 2005. The most famous non-NHL game ever at Rexall Place slash Skyreach Center slash Northlands Coliseum slash Edmonton Coliseum. Or maybe you would just call it one of the most famous hockey games any league, any level in that building. The 2005 championship game where the Bears tied it late and then won it in overtime against the Huskies to take the national title. Huge crowd and huge hype around that game because there hadn't been NHL hockey in that building, of course. That was the year of the NHL lockout, which leads me to our, well, sometimes we call it the off-topic topic. Today it'll be the on-topic topic that you can uh, write in on the text line to 630-630. What is your favorite non-NHL rivalry? Because I know for me, Bears-Huskies men's hockey would be right up there because I've seen some incredible games, some heated games between those two schools. Uh, So your favorite non-NHL rivalry, and somebody on Twitter already having fun with that, uh, they replied to my tweet, Seinfeld and Newman. (laughs) 
which that's pretty good. I got to admit, that's pretty good. So you can take that question however you like, but you can text your suggestions to 630-630. So that's coming up a little bit later on. We'll feature uh, Harlan Anderson, former Golden Bears defenseman, who won three titles with the Bears and was a big part of that 05 championship team. So he'll have some memories, and he'll explain his current connection with the Saskatchewan goaltender whose heart he helped break in that game. That's going to be a pretty good story. But the latest on the Oilers for Nisku Ford, every model on sale every day, Nisku Ford above expectations. So Zach Cassian didn't practice today because of personal reasons, but he is expected to play tomorrow. Adam Larson still dealing with that personal family issue. He will not play tomorrow. And Cam Talbot not expected to go. He has an illness. So Al Montoya very likely to get his first start as an Edmonton Oiler. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Our team, he's, um, you know, in a backup role, he's been tremendous because he, uh, he fits the team's personality. He's a uh, lively guy on the bench. Um, he practices hard. There's a lot of things that he does, and he has that experience as a backup to endear himself to his teammates when he's gone in and it hasn't always been in comfortable circumstances. He's played well, and therefore the, his teammates have confidence in him. Uh, I think if we circle his number tomorrow uh, against Colorado, everybody will be fine with that and believe that he can give us a good game. All right, and Montoya only has allowed a couple of goals as an Edmonton Oiler. couple uh, relief appearances when the Oilers were getting bombed, but he was huge when they beat Arizona couple of weeks ago they were down two nothing early he comes in doesn't allow a goal as the Oilers scored a 4-2 come from behind win and don't forget he made a two huge saves in the third period when the Oilers were hanging on to a one goal lead so Montoya likely to be the starter tomorrow night we'll touch on that and the rivalry question with Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels when we get back inside sports on 630 Chet. from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Okay, so yeah, the news today, Cam Talbot unlikely to play tomorrow. Expect Al Montoya to be the Oilers starter against the Avalanche. We're on 630 Chet with the face-off show at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon. The game will start at 7. The Avalanche, I just was checking this uh, earlier today, guys. At Christmas, the Avalanche were 17-15-3. The Oilers were 17-17-2. So the Avs were slightly better than Edmonton at the Christmas break. Since then, Colorado has gone 10-3-1. The Oilers have gone 5-7-1. And And despite that burst and the 10-game winning streak the Avalanche had, they are not in a playoff spot coming into tonight's action. They're 0-2-1 since they won 10 in a row. So that's the matchup tomorrow and the man who will be calling the game here on 630 Chad and the Oilers Radio Network, the one and only Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Always a pleasure, Reed. Are you now fully on the mend? I assume since you're doing your show, you've been able to shrug off your many illnesses that have uh, ridden you this week. <laughs> That's right. I, I am on the active roster once again. I got a pretty uh, funny tweet last night from a listener named Lars who said with, uh, if I was on IR, does that free up some cap space? But in the Chet Sports Department, you're just buying more French fries and Coke if you have extra cap space. So, you know, wouldn't really be used for anything else. I was going to say, you, you do know the rule. I mean, Bob and I get a little violent towards those who are sick and then come around us. 
Well, that's right. So I made sure I stayed away, stayed away from All the right, rig for a couple of days. But I guess I'm not the only one uh, fighting something. Sounds like Cam Talbot likely uh, not going to be healthy enough to play tomorrow, eh? Yeah, that was a big story today. I mean, obviously, you know, without Ryan Nugent Hopkins due to the rib uh, problem and Adam Larson is away from the team uh, for personal reasons, you know, you kind of look at Colorado with Nathan McKinnon unable to go with kind of evening things out, and then all of a sudden uh, Cam Talbot's sick and will be unable to play. I think the players, though, are really excited for the opportunity for Al Montoya. It's nothing against Talbot, but Montoya, number one, has – played very well as an oiler he stopped 43 of 45 shots for a 95 save percentage but number two and i don't know whether you get the same feeling i do but he's really fit into the room about as well as you could possibly expect number one i guess because he's been a lot of places he seems to know everybody and he's already you know kind of emerged as as a real popular figure in the room and, and he's been around the team you know less than a month so i think he's fit in seamlessly and I think his teammates are excited to play in front of him tomorrow night. You know, I've made that point about Montoya that I I think, and we'll see what happens here the rest of the season, and and who knows, maybe even into next year, but there's a different vibe with him, and and look, this is not a knock on Laurent Brassois, but it's different having a 32-year-old goaltender with, you know, 160-some games under his belt as opposed to having a 24-year-old with Laurent Brassois who was still trying to sort of carve out a niche in the NHL. And I, I do think there's a level of relaxation and trust that is there with Montoya that might not be there with LB or or younger backup goaltenders. And you got to say, you know, sometimes you say, well, the, a goalie, I mean, you never win a game without solving goal, goaltending, and sometimes your goalie out and out steals you won and Montoya though he didn't start played almost that entire game in Arizona came in when it was down to nothing didn't allow a goal and made a couple of great saves in the third period that helped the Oilers win that game well and the other thing is I think sometimes you know when you when you go around the league and you start chatting with some colleagues you know, you throw out terms like, oh, he's a career backup, and it, it almost comes across in a derogatory way. And I really think what you're getting at, Reed, though, is the positives of being a career backup is really what you're saying is a career professional. Al Montoya is an absolute professional. I think he's comfortable in his own skin. He's comfortable with his role in the National Hockey League. And I think sometimes, and I'm not necessarily saying it's the case with Laurent Brassois, but it's not as uh, easy might be the wrong word, but it's it's not as settled, I don't think, for a younger goaltender to all of a sudden just see himself as a number two. And, and I'm not saying that Laurent Brassois you know, didn't understand his role to, to be in support of Cam Talbot rather than necessarily competing for the number one spot. But I think your point about Brassois wanting to establish himself as a as a national leaguer, I think when you're a younger goaltender and you're in your early to mid-20s, you're not trying to establish yourself as a number two goaltender in the NHL. You're trying to prove to your current team and any other team out there, and I'm, you know, using the Martin Jones, the Aaron Dells, the Cam Talbots of the world at one point, that you can be a number one either there or somewhere else. And and it's a different situation when you bring in a guy like Montoya. You still need to be able to play, and Montoya's done that. In fact, he, you know, he won his last start in Montreal. 
Uh, and I and I think just that mentality is part of kind of the professionalism that he brings to the table, but also the right attitude in that support role with Cam Talbot. And, and I'm sure Al's excited to play, though, uh, and, and get a start tomorrow. And, and I'm sure his teammates are excited to kind of support him and make sure that start is a successful, successful one. Excuse me. Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Tomorrow, of course, we have the Oilers broadcast on Jet. I'm looking forward to Friday night, Jack, because uh, they're, they're letting me out. They're putting me back on campus, doing the show live from Claire Drake Arena at the U of A. The Golden Bears are going to be playing the Saskatchewan Huskies for the 500th time in the history of that rivalry that's been going on for a century. And uh, I'm going to talk to a couple of guests related to that later on on the show tonight. But it got me thinking, and I put this question out there for the audience as well. What is your favorite, past or present, uh, we'll go non-NHL rivalry, because I think in this part of the world, a lot of people are going to identify Oilers Flames, obviously, as their favorite rivalry of all time. And we saw beauty last week when they, when they played at Rogers Place. But Jack, yeah, your favorite non-NHL rivalry of all time. Well, first of all, let me caution you, Reed, that I don't want to see any members-only jackets on Friday night, nor do I want to see the pony turps. Okay? Those are out of style. <laughs> You're not going to impress anybody. Secondly, I would answer you by saying it's Brown Steelers, and that's just a product of where I grew up. I mean, the Brown Steelers rivalry for me uh, is, is always going to be the one I'm most interested in, even to this day when... It's not so much as a rivalry as, a, as kind of an annual coronation uh, between the two teams. I don't think it's a rivalry when one team wins all the games. But that's my all-time favorite rivalry. That was always the one that I was most interested in from a North American perspective and looking at it you know, a little more globally. Uh, when I was growing up, Reed, and, and this is, again, how my interests have changed in the professional sports but I would say second to that was Celtics Lakers I, mean, oh, yeah. I was riveted by that I, and and again I think more so than, than you or Bob in the 1980s in the states that's where the NBA really took off and I, and I think it was to some degree in Canada too I, I just think that that Celtics Lakers rivalry with, with Bird and Magic and all the supporting players that weren't really supporting players they were all Hall famers that's for me uh kind of my favorite more global rivalry if you were to take it away from my obvious regional bias with browns and steelers and i will say this Reed. i will say if you're talking about the one non on the field event that changed the sport more than any other event in any major sport i will tell you this len bias's death I think changed the course of NBA history more than any other event in any other sport. I really, I really believe that that one event uh, changed what could have been a three or four-headed, uh, you know, battle for supremacy. And and really, you look at, at Bird and McHale's career numbers; his presence would have lengthened those careers and dramatically, I think, impacted uh, the NBA in the early to mid-1990s. As much as I love Michael Jordan, I'm not sure 
uh, his reign would have started so early, and I'm not sure Detroit would have ever won a couple championships. Well, that's an interesting what that's if. That's for a statement. No, huh? that's an interesting what if for sure. That's that's a good one, Jack. And, and I think that's my biggest what if in the history of North American professional sports. Well, I think it's somebody. Seismic. I can tell I've shook you to the core. You've shaken me, Jack. Well, as usual, you usually say something that catches me off guard when you're on the show. It has a little different variety. But didn't you, somebody on Twitter said which athlete would have you uh, wished would have stayed healthy through their prime? And didn't you put Len Bias as, and obviously he passed away, but didn't you put right. Len Bias as your NBA pick? Yeah, my runner-up for biggest non-game-related you know, type of occurrence that affected the sports was the stabbing of Monica Sellis. I mean, I yeah. people forget that Sellis had been beating Steffi Groff like a drum. The reason she was stabbed in the first place was an obsessed Groff fan that wanted to restore Steffi to the number one position, and he succeeded. He absolutely succeeded. And to my knowledge, Reed, I'm not... I'm not sure he ever even served jail time. I mean, it's just ridiculous. One of the biggest travesties in in, in the history of world justice. But but those are my two, uh, you know, bias sellers in terms of what if that had nothing to do with uh, with the play on the field of battle. I guess. Well, and... well, you're right. Yeah, and then the Bo Jackson, which Bob and I, which Bob and I concur, went uh, Bobby Orr for hockey in terms of staying healthy. And uh, for baseball, I went Mickey Mantle. He didn't do golf, eh? You'd have to take Tiger, wouldn't you? Uh, for injuries, I think you'd have to say Tiger. I mean, if he won the 2008 U.S. Open at age 32 on one leg. Yeah, couldn't have he couldn't have yeah. won one a year for the next five years to pass Nicholas? Uh, Very likely. I, you know, I, I, I find, and remember, he had the rest of his rivals spooked. I, I mean, these other guys that have come up, they're fearless now, but they didn't come up when Tiger was still a force. If you remember, a lot of those majors that Tiger won, yeah, sure, he won a few with excellent play, but also he had some guys collapse on him that just, you know, that just kind of crumbled under the weight of his presence. I mean, that's that's the kind of force he was. So, yeah, I'd agree with you, Reed. That's a good one. Tiger Woods for golf, for sure. He might have, you know, you know what? He might have been very close to doubling what he had at the time of his injury. He might have he might have gone upwards of 25 to 28 acres. Jack, always a pleasure to have you on the show, buddy. Thanks for checking in tonight, and I'll see you at the morning skate. Sounds good, Reed. Always a wide-ranging conversation with Jack Michaels, your play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oilers here on 630 Chet. So plenty more to get to. We'll check the text line. Your favorite non-NHL rivalry have some very good and a couple of very amusing entries in that race. It's 627. We're back after the news. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Mark Letestu expected to be back in the lineup tomorrow when the Oilers play the Avalanche. He was a healthy scratch last Thursday as the Oilers came from behind, down 2-0 after the first period to edge the Calgary Flames 4-3 in a shootout, a memorable installment of the Battle of Alberta. We'll have a great battle 
in university hockey Friday night, Claire Drake Arena, U of A taking on the U of S. We'll have the show live from Claire Drake on Friday, so I'm looking forward to doing that. And that leads me to our uh, off-topic topic tonight, though I guess it's an on-topic, off-topic topic. Your favorite non-NHL rivalry. You can text 630-630. Uh, getting some good ones here. Oh, I love this one. Little senior hockey, Generals versus Eagles. That's a good one. You're going to have to help me with a couple here, Kellen. All right. Jay says Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in the mid-90s. Yeah. A little more wrestling talk on the show. That, that's what we needed. Was that, that the one where... Oh, no, that was... Uh, that was the Montreal incident, that, yes. But that was the... That was when Hart was supposed to win the title or keep the title. Yeah, retain the title. And then lose it the next match. And That's then, right. And then retire. Uh, he was moving to another company. Oh, he was going to he was, he was WCW going to, or yeah, whatever? Ted Turner's WCW, yeah. Okay, and so then, so he said, let me win it one more time in Canada, and then I'll give it up next bout. Yeah. Because that was the Montreal screw job. Yes, yeah. So Michaels was, but didn't Michael say he didn't really know what was happening? Yeah, no. The the well, obviously Brett didn't know what was going on. The only person that knew that was going down in that match were two people: Vince McMahon, obviously, because he con- concocted it, and the referee. So the referee, what he counted out, Hart. Yeah, well, disqualified they, him. What had happened was uh, Sean had Brett in in Brett's finisher, the sharpshooter. Great, great finisher. And and I don't know. And the ref called for the bell to. Well, oh, uh, he called for a he submission. Co- he, yeah, he called for a submission. But decision. Hart never submitted. Okay, Hart never submitted. No. All right. So, so there we go. Uh, Big D's uh, texting in. You're going to have to help me here too, because I, I fully admit NASCAR not my thing. Mm, okay. Kyle Busch versus Brad Keselowski. Yeah, those are the two. Uh, uh, I don't want to say rising stars right now in NASCAR because they're, they're, the, they're the two top echelon talents. Those two and uh, Jimmy Johnson right now. Big D NASCAR. says they seem to truly hate each other. Mm-hmm. Both are past Energy Cup champions and oh, they yeah. can drive the wheels off a race car. And that's the thing. I mean, a lot of times there is, <clears throat> pardon me, there is a rivalry because it exists historically. But the hatred isn't always there. And I think we've gone through that with the Oilers and the Flames. Maybe it's going to come back a little bit. But sometimes it's like, well, these two teams are rivals because, well, they play a lot or there's geography involved. But there's not always the intensity there. Right. Right. So when, when you get the sense that, yeah, there's the on-field, on-ice, on-track rivalry because they're both good, okay, that's cool. But when you get the sense there's actually that, that hatred and dislike, and that the two people or two teams would be uncomfortable associating with each other if they met, you know, in a social situation or at an event. That adds a little bit to it, right? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, a lot, a lot of the guys from the Oilers and the Flames in the 80s say, well, we, we get along now, but at the time I did not like to see that person in the summer or well, it was uncomfortable. Thinking all the way back to, what was it, 2012, the Grey Cup uh, breakfast with Joe Cap and Angelo Mosca? Well, that's... That is True. that that is some deep hatred. That is like you know I don't uh, forgive me for using the term, but that is go to your grave type hatred that they have. It's it's insane. All right, uh, this person says go back to your Lloyd Minster days, Pontiacs versus Blazers, and then there's a little LOL after that. Yeah, well here's the thing: those teams didn't like each other, and most of the time I was there, neither one was very good. Though the Pontiacs had some uh, decent teams. Mark Letestu and Justin Fontaine leading the way. Jeff Pister was the head coach. Uh, yeah, the Lloyd Blazers slash Bobcats were more of everybody's uh, whipping boy as opposed to rival when I was covering the team. They were not very good. 
But those are still fun games to watch, and there's certainly a bit of a regional rivalry there going on in the AJHL. Uh, Bulls versus Knicks, Jordan versus Ewing. There are some good ones there. LeBron versus Golden State. That's, that's, that's the thing about, about LeBron. It's not even what team he's on. It's just LeBron versus Golden State. Forget that he plays for Cleveland. It's LeBron versus Golden State. That's what, three straight NBA Finals? Yeah. The, to me, this is the most interesting era of the NBA since the Bulls in the 90s. Everything that happened from 98 until Golden State getting good, I didn't find that interesting. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders versus everyone else in the CFL is another text. That's a good. That's a good point. All right, uh, lots of text coming to six thirty. Six thirty. Star Wars versus Star Trek. I love how people come up with the. Uh, I said not NHL, but people are going non-sports on some of them. That's great. Uh, Wiley Coyote versus the Roadrunner. That's from Rob. Okay. That was kind of a one-sided rivalry, though, wasn't it? Well, a little one-sided, yeah. A little uh, the Coyote never did very well on that one. I mean, Globetrotters versus what is it, the Washington Generals? Well, they're not that anymore. Oh, okay. But that's what they used to be called. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, another texter says, "Guys, not true. Shawn Michaels knew and admitted it." Someone doubting your wrestling knowledge, Kellen. We'll uh, have to read up on it. Yeah, and there's conflicting reports though that come out of it. Well, that. if it's there's, conflicting, we got to acknowledge there's, that. There's WWE's version of the truth. There's individuals' version of the truth, and then there's the truth, right? There's three sides to every story. So, and all three sides have told their story. So, uh, Jay Ball, our good friend, general manager of FC Edmonton. Uh, Boca Juniors versus River Plate in Argentinian soccer. Fans are bonkers, and they have to call in the National Guard for each and every game. You know, that's a good point. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's rivalries, and then there's ones where you have to make sure you have an increased police presence when the two teams are playing. Rocky Balboa versus Ivan Drago. Well, that was a good one. And another texture says, how about a small-town shutout? The Hay Lakes Tigers versus the new Norway Spartans. <laughs> this is great. And well, this is incredible. Now I got, I got, I got an old high school volleyball teammate texting in uh, about teams we used to play in high school volleyball. Chris, thank you very much. It's it's awesome that you're listening. We'll have to get in touch. All right. Oh, Tyson Holyfield. Yeah, that one had some bite to it, didn't it? That's still going to be one of the one of the most surreal things that, like, he bit the guy's ear in the middle of a boxing match. That's that's one of those things. The, the the word unbelievable is used in sports. That's one of those things that's actually unbelievable. I, I because I, I remember uh, I think I was working that night, and some a coworker came in. This is this I was in my old blockbuster video days, and a coworker came in to get a movie, and he bought the pay per view for the fight. And I and there was you know you didn't have Twitter or your cell phones because it was ninety whatever seven probably, and I said oh what happened in the fight, and he's like well they they Tyson got disqualified because he bit Holyfield's ear and I was like no seriously what happened he's like no Tyson got disqualified because he bit Holyfield's ear I was like what that was crazy all right uh, that's some fun stuff there you can keep texting six thirty six thirty. I want to thank Brendan Ulrich for filling in for me yesterday. As a result, 
I'm going to get Brendan Ulrich Northern Chicken Super Bucket, 20-piece chicken, Doritos mac and cheese, coleslaw, cornbread and gravy, just 65 bucks. Visit northchickenyeg.com for details. And, of course, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. We'll keep the rivalry theme going with uh, some memories of taking part of one of the heatest one of the most heated rivalries in Canadian university hockey. Well, it might be the number one in Canadian university hockey. Bears against Huskies. Three-time national champion Harlan Anderson will join us when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, the Nuge, one of two former first overall draft picks who won't be able to play tomorrow. Nathan McKinnon for Colorado will also be out. Upper body injury suffered last night against the Vancouver Canucks. Cam Talbot ill, not expected to play goal for the Oilers, so look for Al Montoya to be in net. One of three meetings in the month of February between the Oilers and the Avalanche, and of course Colorado, one of the teams that the Oilers are chasing as they try to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. 5.30 face-off show. Game will start at 7 right here on 6.30. Chad, 7 o'clock Friday night, Claire Drake Arena, U of A Golden Bears, Saskatchewan Huskies, 500th all-time meeting between the two schools. They've played some classics, including the 2005 National Final at Rexall Place, and Harlan Anderson was a defenseman for the Bears in that game. Harlan, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show tonight. It's a pretty fun build-up here to to this weekend's games between the Golden Bears and the Huskies. 500th all-time meeting between the two schools. Uh, I mean, I want to get into some specific specifics of of the times you went head-to-head with the Huskies, but when you look back on on your hockey career, is it the most intense rivalry you ever part of? I imagine if it isn't, it's on a pretty short list. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's right up there with the uh, Warriors-Pats rivalry for sure. Um, You know, we got a few more games, Warriors-Pats, but uh, every game that we played the Huskies was, uh, it meant something to, to everybody that was involved and you hated the guys on the other team, but you respected them, and uh, always a lot of fun to play in those games. Well, you, you use the H word, uh, <laughs> hatred, <laughs> which yeah. which which always always adds a little bit a little bit of spice to it. And I mean, it's it's interesting because it's it's a level of hockey where where there's no fighting. I mean, you can fight, but but you pay the price with missing a game or two uh, after that. So just describe the. Maybe the the chippiness or the, or the physicality that would exist in those games, and, and maybe how you had to handle some of the um, some of that physicality, knowing that you, you couldn't drop the gloves. I mean, yeah, it's it's just a battle. It's um, you know, every time you go into the corner, you, you're expecting to get a, a stick in a spot that's uncomfortable. Um, you know, anytime you're in front of the net, you, you same thing. You're getting um, you're getting pushed out of the way. You're getting elbowed. You're getting you know, you're doing everything you can to beat the other team. Um, in you know, fighting has, was never part of the game when we played, and I, I, you know, we certainly didn't have any fights in those games. But uh, the intensity was certainly there, and um, you know, you're just fighting, fighting everything you can get out there. 
Harlan, one of the most famous moments in this series, maybe the most famous game anyway, was the 2005 championship game. It was at uh, Rexall Place, as it was known at the time. Um, there was no NHL that year because of the, the lockout season. Obviously, you and Saskatchewan are two of the best teams, and, and you wound up playing in the final. B- before we get into the, the exciting details of that game, w- what do you remember just about the circumstances around that game and, and, and the hype around it? Because even though it, you know, it was a national championship game, it must have been even elevated given that it was in your home city and in an NHL rink. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, that year we played we played the the first two games um, of the national championship at Claire Drake, and those games were intense. But you know, we were we were we outmatched the other teams by quite a bit. And U of S is in the same same situation where they just you know blew through the competition to get to the final. Um, so when we got there, we you know we had played against those guys probably six or eight times that year. Um, we'd beat them every time, but every game had been close. Uh, so it was, you know, it's it certainly built up quite a bit. And I, I remember the city uh, being pretty excited about it. And the fact that we got to play in Rexall Place and had the, the opportunity to play in, that, in front of that many fans was, was just exciting going into the game for sure. Obviously, the the game itself is 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 legendary. You scored a goal in that game, but it's really Ben Thompson's name who uh, his name comes up the most. If people talk about one specific player from the game, you guys trailed into the third period. You trailed late. Thompson scores the tying goal and then scores in overtime. I mean, he scores the tying goal with 24 seconds left. I mean, this was pretty close to you guys losing that game in regulation. What do you remember about? coming back from that deficit you, you guys had a great team you didn't trail a lot in games you didn't trail a lot late what do you remember about those final moments and keeping the push going well you know I just remember um, you know after the sort of midway through the second period we started to gain some momentum and started to, to really take it to them um, and you know we had that confidence um, from from beating them quite a bit that year that, that we could come back and you know the guys just you know, we came into the, the dressing room after second intermission and we, the look around the room was that we weren't going to be denied. And, um, you know, even though it came down to the last 24 seconds, somehow we just, we just all knew that we were going to find a way to get it done. And, you know, Ben Thompson just put the team on his shoulders and, and scored an absolutely incredible goal to tie it up. And then, uh, you know, after we scored that, we, we pretty much... We, we took all the wind out of their sails, and we knew that, that the overtime, we were going to get it done. Harlan Anderson joining us on Inside Sports, three-time national champion with the Golden Bears hockey team. We're talking about his memories of the Golden Bears-Saskatchewan Huskies rivalry, which will be played out for the 500th time Friday night at Claire Drake Arena. I mean, what do you remember about when he scored the winning goal in overtime? Like, do you still remember details of it, or is it is it hard to even recollect? Uh, you know, now almost 13 years later. No, it's. I mean, it's pretty easy to remember the details from that. Uh, you know, the, the puck had made its way to the point, and the Perry Johnson threw a shot towards the net, um, and it, it ended up just kicking out to the side of the net, and both Ben Thompson and uh, Wade Burt were were there, and uh, you know, we could from the bench I was on the bench and I just remember uh, seeing them both kind of whack at it and then hands going up and the crowd going crazy and jump pretty much um, so I, I do remember the, the goal quite clearly and I, I remember the feeling uh, every time I think about it for sure alright I, I mentioned you scored in that game 
the goaltender for the Saskatchewan Huskies is a gentleman by the name of Thomas Vickers. Can you tell the audience um, about your current relationship with Thomas and if uh, some of the old Bears Huskies memories ever come up? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I moved to Sam Arm from Calgary about, uh, I guess, two and a half years ago and, um, you know, started the first time I went out to play hockey with a group of guys from here. I knew a, I knew a couple guys, but not many. And uh, sure enough, um, you know, there's there's Thomas Vickers in the pipes. So uh, right away, you know, we recognized each other and, and said hello and, um, you know, got to know each other over time. And we actually have a, you know, a business relationship being I'm an accountant in town and he's a banker. Um, so we end up uh, having lots of mutual clients and stuff like that. So we, we've got a pretty close relationship now. Um, you know, I don't, I don't let him live that down very often. Um, but I know, uh, I, I know for sure he, he'll never forget that as well. Um, so I try not to give it to him too hard about it. But uh, yeah, it's certainly fun um, to, to reminisce about it. And uh, yeah, you know, he, we, we've talked about the rivalry many times, and we both, um, you know, share the same passion for those games. Uh, and it's, you know, there's a lot of mutual respect there for sure. Yeah, that's that's amazing how you guys uh, connected that way after your your university careers were over. Harlan, you know, I, I get to interview a lot of guy current Golden Bears guys and 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 certainly some alumni like you at the time. And I kind of have a question I ask a lot of guys, whether it's framed in the present tense or, or the past tense. But now that you look back on, you know, not just that 05 season and that game, but your years with the Golden Bears in general, and you were very successful with the three titles. But what what does having played for the Golden Bears, having been a Golden Bear, what what does that mean to you now? How, what has that meant to sort of your life as a whole? Yeah, it's, you know, it's still, it's something I'm very proud of uh, to be a part of, um, you know, and then anytime I see one of the, the guys I played with, it's, you know, it's right back to square one. It feels like you're in the dressing room again. And, um, you know, I, I certainly relish the time I, I had there. It, it taught me a lot about, um, you know, having good relationships and um you know representing yourself off the ice and it you know it prepared me for the the outside world because coming from junior hockey you're you know you, all you're thinking about is hockey and you get to u of a and um you end up with a whole bunch of mentors on your team that are showing you sort of what it takes to to take your life somewhere new um into a you know business setting or whatever you decide to do um you have so many mentors and so many uh, great guys that uh, you can look up to with the alumni and uh, you know it just goes on and on and it, I'll never forget the, the time I had there and I'm, I'm certainly grateful that I that I was able to, to play there for the five years I did. Alright one more for you Harlan. If you could go into the Bears dressing room for 30 seconds before Friday's game against the Huskies, the 500th meeting what would you say? What would your inspirational words be? <laughs> I probably wouldn't have to say anything. I, I'd probably just go in there and, and uh, you know enjoy the atmosphere more than anything. Um, you know those type of games you don't you don't need to say much. Well, Harlan, this was great getting some of your memories. Obviously, you had an incredible career, and uh, thanks for sharing what you're doing now. And uh, I, I know you'll probably be following online or uh, on the video feed or something on Friday night. Really appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. Well, that is great to catch up with Harlan Anderson, former Golden Bears defenseman, three-time national champion. Cool memories of that Bears-Huskies rivalry and winning the 05 championship game.
come from behind in overtime. Rexall plays March 2005, and now he plays men's league with the heartbroken Saskatchewan goaltender from that game. Small world. Coming up to the 7 o'clock news. We'll update the NHL scoreboard. I can tell you it's 3-0 Toronto leading the Islanders. Eight minutes left in the second period. Oilers are back at it tomorrow. Inside Sports on Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.